Off the ball. It's not like Maradona or Messi, where the ball is tied to the left foot. I always see the ball as something which is bouncing, like an obedient, happy puppy. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Off the ball, daily. So TJ Quinn, senior writer with ESPN, joins us live on the line. TJ, evening, you can hear us okay there? Here you fine. Great to have you with us. Damar Hamlin. 24 years of age, a safety for the Buffalo Bills drafted two years ago. He went into a cardiac arrest on Monday night football against the Cincinnati Bengals. He is recovering in hospital in Cincinnati where he remains in critical condition. I think most people have seen photos or perhaps the incident at this stage, but you might just describe what happened. Uh, Damar Hamlin, at 24 years of age, uh, made a tackle and, and seemed to stand up initially and be okay and then it became very apparent something was wrong. Well, that, that's exactly what it was. It, it looked fairly routine as you were watching it. Receiver made a catch, turned forward, they made contact. There was nothing remarkable about it, especially when Hamlin popped back up. But that sight of him collapsing, uh, I mean, it was anybody who has covered this issue or, or you know spent much time uh, looking into issues involving sudden cardiac arrest on the field, you know, immediately it, it evoked images of other athletes who've been through that. So he made the tackle and then fell back on the turf and akin to uh, Christian Eriksen, a soccer player who uh, endured cardiac arrest at the European Football Championships in the summer of 21. The players uh, were in shock, obviously, they seemed to form a circle around the administration of CPR. They did. I mean, it's the, look. It's a violent sport. I mean, the collisions are, are. TV can't possibly do justice to the amount of force that happens when two NFL players slam into each other. And, and if you've ever stood on the sideline of an NFL game, you'd never look at it the same way. So they are used to that. But the idea of seeing somebody that helpless—it's it, different than any other injury. And you could tell by their reaction right away. This was not something they had seen before. How long was CPR administered for? Well, the report we saw that it was nine minutes. But the question that I had, uh, and, and really because of the expert, experts I've spoken to, is when was an AED used? When did they you know, try to defibrillate him? Uh, because a shock to the heart is, in, in some cases, more important than the compressions that come with CPR. Um, and we know that an AED was administered at one point, but we, we really don't know much about what went on during those nine minutes. Okay, so nine minutes. Uh, I mentioned he's in hospital in Cincinnati. I I saw a friend of his speaking to ESPN and uh, the word was that the doctors had seen what they wanted to see in that initial 24 hours in terms of his recovery. Is he likely to make a full recovery to the extent, whatever, about playing again, but that he'll be able to uh, hopefully leave hospital soon and, and, and get on with things? Or where is he? It's very hard to say. I mean, yeah, what you're referring to is uh, he's essentially a marketing agent very close to DeMar Hamlin and and to the family. We have gotten very little information, medical information about what's going on. Mm. I mean, they said early on that his vital signs were stable. Well, that doesn't mean much. I mean, when somebody, if he was without oxygen, if his brain and his organs were without oxygen for more than five minutes, there is a significant, overwhelming chance of, of brain damage, um, of permanent damage to, to the brain and other organs. Um, the cardiologists I've spoken to said that's what they're most concerned with. And what they've heard about in terms of how he's being treated, 
um, they say that that's all consistent with somebody who had significant loss of oxygen to the brain. So it could be that you know when they say his vitals are moving in the right way, we have no context right now to know if that means simply uh, to survive, to recover with his life, or whether that means that he's going to have anything close to the function he had before. We simply don't know enough. But the but from what we've seen and what we've heard about his recovery, it's clear that he's in a very very dire situation. Okay, it's um, chilling, obviously. With Christian Eriksen, for instance, that. Uh, parallel I mentioned he simply collapsed with nobody near him and it was very much his own body his own heart entering into a kind of a distress with Hamlin uh, causation and correlation obviously are different things he made the tackle T- to what extent is is that physical contact uh, being attributed to as, as as the reason for this um, cardiac arrest or, 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 or simply a coincidence or, or, or again do we know TJ? Right. I mean, from what I recall of Erickson, it was he he went into sudden cardiac arrest because of an existing heart condition. Yes. Uh, I think it was hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Um, and then that's a case. It's something that could be detected, but not always. Um, and yeah, it's a sudden misfiring of the heart that causes someone to drop and they can be immediately revived with absolutely no greater consequences. With this, it's different. It's an if it is what the doctors I spoke to think something known as commotio cordis. It's incredibly rare. Uh, there is no pre-existing condition. That's a, a requirement of the of commotion cortis. Uh, and what happens is the heart is struck directly with a forceful, concentrated blow at exactly the right time during the heartbeat. I mean, there are, the uh, National Institutes of Health in the United States report that there are fewer than 30 cases of it a year uh, in a country of 350 million people. It typically is from something hard like a thrown baseball, softball, hockey puck, or a hockey stick. You've seen cases in martial arts where somebody is punched directly in the heart. But it's not just that. It's where the heart is in the beat. There's a 30 millisecond window when if you strike it during that time, what they call the ascent of the the T-curve in an EKG, uh, then the heart can go into what's known as ventricular fibrillation. And it's, it's more often than not fatal. Um, I mean, it was a good thing that there was immediate medical attention there. Um, but it's it's the only similarity is that the heart stops. Uh, but otherwise, it's a very different condition than what Erickson and many other athletes have had. Okay. This uh, happened on Monday Night Football as well. So it's very much a national audience watching on in horror. And we're still in the holiday season. So I, I suspect the audience was uh, quite big. I've noted uh, just uh, reading various dispatches in, in advance of talking to you, TJ. This has prompted many, many think pieces about the nature of the NFL, about the churn in the NFL. For instance, New York Times' Kurt Streeter had a piece and the byline was, the appetite for football has never been higher. Viewers look past the toll the sport takes on players' lives. This moment should force a reconsideration. And then on Yahoo Sports, Shalise Manza-Young she was noting that some of the players, as the treatment on the pitch was coming to an end, some of the players began uh, almost uh, uh, routinely or unthinkingly almost going through their warm-up routines to resume and the game ultimately was postponed. But she was almost holding this up as an example of the callousness of the NFL. She said, this should not be normal, not in the NFL, not anywhere. There's so much that needs fixing with the league that has needed to be fixed for years. 
but the prevailing callousness is one place to start. So uh, between that New York Times piece I mentioned and, and that piece on Yahoo and others, uh, the what happened on Monday night seems to have, have prompted almost uh, a conversation about the nature of the NFL. Has, has that been pretty widespread? It, it has. Um, I mean, I think it's been muted somewhat by a, a sense that people want to see what's going on with Hamlin first. Uh, there's a respect for the family and for what he's going for that, you know, the, you haven't seen quite the, the larger conversations that I think you might um, once there is a greater resolution of his case. I mean, we don't know anything about what his recovery is going to be. So I think the, the conversation has been a little muted because of that. But this this comes up with football. And, you know, full disclosure, my about 40 years ago, my father was the benefits director for the National Football League Players Association, the union. And so part of his job was helping them collect disability uh, benefits. And when I was a young man, I, I got a pretty close up look at how significant those injuries could be, how disabling they could be, even things that are just a routine part of the game. Um, there has been a long sense among people who've played the game as much as those who cover it or watch it, that they are treated as disposable heroes. Uh, it, it's known as a gladiator sport, and they're out there, you know, beating each other into oblivion and risking their lives, quite literally, um, for our entertainment. And we have periods in this country where it comes up. It's just not like other sports. I mean, rugby, Gaelic football, you know, whatever, you know, hurling sports that, you know, are, you know, contact sports with, uh, you know, a contact and a aggression and 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 some level of violence that's part of it nothing really matches the physical violence of football and i, I played the sport when i was young i loved it a great deal but we've learned in the last 10 15 years about the damage that it causes to the brain about the other disabilities that it that players can leave with we have these big conversations sometimes congress gets involved and has hearings about it and then everyone kind of forgets and goes back to watching on sunday um it's. I don't know that this would be any different because we've got a great capacity uh, globally, not just in this country, uh, to sort of set aside the more displeasing parts of something that we love to watch. And in this country, people love to watch their football. That does seem to be very much the case, that the NFL is the most popular sport in the States. It brings everybody together, regardless of political persuasion, sporting persuasion, you name it. It is just... Uh, universally adored and it almost seems to be like Teflon. You can have the concussion controversy and uh, the knowledge that concussion was causing CTE withheld and massive payouts and all of the negative publicity that might go with that. You can have, I mean, even uh, it's it's continuing the season on the concussion front with Tua uh, two, uh, Tagoviola of uh, Miami who, who was exhibiting signs of concussion, not taken out of a game, played in a game a couple of days later gets another bang to the head and he's and he's going through further concussion protocols now uh, and, and and all the other extracurricular issues with the behaviours of different players being forgiven because they are uh, commodities and so all is forgiven and they are welcomed back onto rosters so you name it bad publicity at every turn and issues at every turn and that gladiatorial nature at every turn and ultimately I would think the NFL has realised we are just unstoppable we are the biggest show in town. It, like, it, it, it doesn't matter what they say about us. It doesn't matter 
how we are seen to treat the players, the deal is they get paid lots of money and, you know, they put their bodies on the line and uh, it's informed consent. And, I, I you know, I, I was reading these think pieces and, and thinking like they're, you know, they're well written and, and they're of the moment. But this is not going to impact on the NFL's behaviour one bit. I don't see how it would. I mean, what what you're more likely to see is certain steps taken. I mean, first of all, we need to find out what exactly happened to to DeMar Hamlin in that moment. Yeah. If it was, in fact, Comotio Cordis, I think what you're going to be hearing from you know, in the NFL is, well, it, it was a one in, in, you know, 10 and, you know, one in a, a hundred million shot that that he happened to get that injury at that moment. Um, and TJ, I think I, I think that right back up. yeah. And I, I sorry to interrupt. I think that'd be a perfectly fair rationale. I mean, it's a phys- physical game, and, and to be fair to the NFL, uh, there's only so much they can do about instances like that. No, it's it's completely true. And in some ways, that you know, people talk about it as um, you know it, it, uh, another reminder of the violence of the sport. Absolutely true. It was just as violent before Demar Hamlin you know collapsed on the field. Uh, as it will be when when play resumes um, his if that is his injury and again I don't know for sure that it is I just know what cardiologists are saying it probably is um, if that is is his injury yeah it, it is a statistical fluke you don't see that injury in, in football that often because of the padding that they wear just you know even at the speeds they're going shoulder pads that will cover your chest you know will disperse the the force of the blow for the most part. Um, so it is rare. And, and if that is what what happened to him, it's still incredibly unlikely we will, we will see it again. But it is another chance to look at just how much is at stake. I mean, the, you, you, you can forget pretty easily the amount of force that would happen in that tackle. What looked like a routine tackle is the equivalent of a car accident for most people. Mm. Uh, and I think afterward, just just like you would see if it was something political, people are going to retreat to their previous thoughts about it. If you want evidence to say football is safe enough to play, you've got it. If you want evidence to say it's far too dangerous a sport, it needs to change. Well, you're going to you know, have the same amount of evidence. Yes. And ultimately, the force that you talk about is one of the primary attractions to. You can't fans. take that out of it. No, it's just it's what the game is. Intrinsic. I wonder as well, I saw the point made that. In basketball, the rosters are so small and the players are so uh, visible that maybe it humanizes them a touch, whereas NFL, the rosters are so big, they're padded up, they've got helmets on, it dehumanizes them. It, it, it plays into that gladiatorial aspect you talk about. Oh, completely. But then again, who's more identifiable than a, than a fighter, you know, a, a boxer or, you know, UFC fighter? Um, and people have a pretty gladiatorial attitude about that as well. You can connect with somebody deeply, but still, uh, I think, rationalize the risk that they're taking uh, and the damage that they're taking for your benefit. Um, look, there's a libertarian argument to be made that these are adults. They're, you know, if they're old enough to vote and drink and drive a car, why shouldn't they be able to decide how they want to make a living? And okay, fair point. Um, you know, the, the fact is informed consent doesn't, you know, tend to change people's uh, behavior all that much. And I think Kurt, you know, you mentioned his piece and he's a former uh, former colleague of mine at ESPN, uh, terrific writer. Um, mm. He brings up a great point is, you know, you can rationalize it any way you want, but the risks and the danger are what they are. Yeah. And when you do watch, you are complicit and maybe you're fine with that. But you can't disconnect the, the audience's relationship to what happens. Well, when he says viewers look past the toll that the sport takes on players' lives and this moment should force a reconsideration, 
I think the point not made there is viewers look past the po- the toll the sport takes on players' lives given the money that they're paid. And that, that almost is the accommodation that everyone makes. Uh, players, fans, owners alike, well, they're being paid lots of money, therefore, dot, 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 we're okay here. Uh, absolutely. The money and the fame are, are what I think, you know, make, make fans and sometimes, you know, people in the media feel some some sense of license that they can, you know, say, hey, for that amount of money, they should have that kind of risk. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if, if they're getting paid that much, I should be able to boo or say whatever I want about them. Um, it, it's... And, you know, if this has any impact, you hope it's just a reminder that these are human beings. They always are. We've got this habit in journalism, you know, uh, as well of creating heroes when they're not heroes, they're people. And then we tear them down when they show that they're human. Um, This was a human being with a family. This is, excuse me for saying that, this is a human being with a family. Um, And, you know, it's... I, I think the reaction of of other players, you know, wanting to make that point that that has really dominated the conversation. That's been somewhat heartening. Okay, well, hopefully there's good news on uh, Demar Hamlin's health in due course. TJ Quinn from ESPN. Pleasure, TJ. Thank you. Pleasure's mine. Thanks so much.